0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Amen. Why don't we stand tonight and ask the Lord to touch the Word of God to our heart. I'm very thankful to have been given the privilege to be here tonight. Amen. It's not an opportunity that I want to miss. I want to take advantage of Every chance I have to come into the presence of the house of the Lord and to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. And so I would just ask you this evening, that let's pray and ask God to touch our heart. I felt very prompted of the Lord last Wednesday night uh, when I got home. I just felt prompted of the Lord to teach on what I'm going to be teaching on here this evening. And uh, I believe the Lord will help us if we are certainly hungry. Now, this will be a very familiar path for some, maybe not as familiar for others and may not be familiar at all for even others. So wherever you find yourself in all of this, time, let's just make the journey together. What do you say? Amen. I want us to pray and ask God sincerely. I mentioned this many, many times, especially on Wednesday, because uh, kind of this service kind of catches us midstream of our week. That may be good things, good news for some. You may have had a wonderful week and you're just on cloud nine. Others of you may be here tonight just two legs and a piece of an ear. <laughs> I feel like I got more response from that than the other one, so maybe it looks like we're in trouble here. But Let's just let the Lord touch our hearts because the most important thing, and I've heard this all my life, but it's the truth. The most important thing that will ever happen in a service is the word of God. Amen. Everything else is important. It's all vital and it all serves a place. And we don't want to do without any of it. But this, not because I'm holding the mic, but this is the most important part. Because the word is what will keep us. Amen. The word will keep us. I know I'm kind of uh, maybe beating a dead horse at this particular moment. But Sunday, I talked about the work of God. God shut the door. Before, he said, I talked about the word of God to pitch it within and without. And there are times in our life when we can't find the work of God. It just seems like God has removed himself from our life. Amen? Job said, I can't find him. I looked all around me, front, back, and each side. Couldn't find him. And so when we can't find the work of God, We must know we can always find the Word of God. And so that's why the Word is just one reason why the Word is so important. Amen. Lord, I love you tonight. Thank you for the privilege you have given me this evening to be able to stand before this congregation and preach the Word. It's not something I take for granted. And I ask you tonight, Lord, to touch the Word to our hearts, strengthen us, let our minds be anointed of you, and let our hearts be receptive of your Word And for that, we'll give you praise in advance and ask you tonight, tonight, God, just to let this word not just end when we end the service, but let it resonate in our hearts, the days, weeks, and months, and even years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated uh, tonight. I'm going to um, use a lot of scriptures, and so it it would be impossible for me to move at a pace slow enough for you to keep up. in your Bible, and uh, so if you will, if you want to write things down, or if you just want to follow along on the screen, uh, that's okay. I also will tell you that I know that I can't get through tonight, and uh, and so the good news is I'm not even going to try, <laughs> and when I feel like that we've had enough, or, it's <laughs> you know, the, the first person I catch taking a nap will just learn how to say that's enough. That's enough. And uh, blessed is the man who not only knows where to start but where to stop. And uh, tonight my subject is going to be on tongues. And I want to entitle this tongues, the reason why. And uh, we're going to visit the, su- the subject of tongues and the role that it plays in the New Testament church and in the 21st century. Uh, This is not something for another generation. This was not something for another day and age. But it is ever more as relevant for us this evening as it has ever been. The operation of tongues has two very distinct categories and very two distinct uh, purposes within the church. One of those categories and one of those purposes, of course, is the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost. And the scripture says then we need to be very specific about this in the hour in which we live that we would have the initial sign of speaking with other tongues as the spirit gives utterance. And uh, one of the reasons that we need to visit this um, is because in the hour that we live, Uh, and and this has always been, so I'm not suggesting this is something brand new, but it's always just sort of repackaged and brought back in a different uh, sense to seem new. But there can be so much, just pardon me, uh, but there can be so much tomfoolery about some of this until people uh, take advantage of and and it becomes nonsensical. And because of that, Sometimes people that have a practical mindset want to just toss it out and it, what happens is you toss the baby out with the wash water. And, uh, and so I, I think that it's important that we understand that the initial evidence of, speaking with, of receiving the Holy Ghost is speaking with other tongues, but that is as the Spirit gives utterance. That is not something that a church should try to teach someone that's not something we should try to school somebody in that ought to happen that ought to be as individual new birth I feel the holy ghost wow new birth ought to be as authentic for you as our original birth and though in a practical sense we all got here the same way our each in each of our individual births was very unique and uh and so I think that uh, that, that we need to understand that the spirit is the one that's got to be behind this. And I I, I know that sometimes emotional uh, emotionalism is connected to that. We don't want to take that away. That's part of humanity. And uh, if you've been in church or around church very long, you know that um, if it hasn't happened yet in the church, it probably will if you hang around long enough. And... Uh, and so we've seen people try to rub the Holy Ghost in people try to shake it in them and and, uh, you know just feel like if you start singing the song faster if you turn up the amp a little bit louder that maybe it'll happen and (laughs) and uh, none of those things are uh, none of those things are the are the catalyst for somebody receiving the Holy Ghost somebody receiving the Holy Ghost that needs to be as individual as it can possibly be Amen. amen and so uh, the second thing, I, I took way much, too much time with that, but the second thing is for edification, and uh, that is of a believer in edification of the church, and that is through tongues and interpretation. And so I've, uh, as I mentioned a lot of scripture, and the reason I I've, I've brought a lot of scripture and not just want to refer to this is because I want us to read it. And no matter how much you know this, no matter how many times you've passed by this way before, it never hurts to have something underlined in your heart. And here's why. Because even unbeknownst to us, ever so subtly and ever so gently, but ever so purposefully, the spirit of deception is whittling away at our belief system. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, no matter where you work, there's something that's trying to undermine. And I'm going to tell you that, um, that to me, to visit, foundational issues, to visit them and revisit them, uh, no matter how many times I may have heard something. I, I, it just confirms something in my heart. There's just something about the truth of God's word that just echoes, and so I'm, I'm not a debater. I have never even tried to be a debater. If, uh, if the word of God needs me to validate it, we're all in trouble to begin with, and so what we need is the spirit of revelation, And uh, that's, I'm being very honest. What we need is a spirit of revelation to shine upon our heart and on our lives. And I want to have the sensitivity to the spirit of the Lord to say, Lord, if this is in your word and if this is in your will, I want to see it. I want to experience it. I want to bathe myself in this. Amen. Acts 2 and 4, the Bible says, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And when this was noised abroad, I'm skipping around a little bit, verse 6, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Verse number 8, the Bible says, And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Verse number 11, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And so when we're talking about tongues in this regard, tongues, another word for that, of course, would be languages, but speaking in other tongues would be speaking in a language that we have never learned. And as the Spirit, again, gives utterance. An utterance, of course, is something said, or it is a remark or a statement, possibly another national language that others can possibly understand. I I don't want to move too fast, and I don't want to move too slow, but as I think about things, I want the liberty to, to share this. It has been noted on many, many occasions where people were speaking in tongues in another country or in an environment where somebody else actually knew that language, and they understood that completely. And this individual was speaking in a language they had never known. It was an unknown tongue to them, but it may have been an actual tongue or language or dialect in another part or region of the world. And so how fascinating is that? How fascinating is that? And so maybe not in every case, but that has certainly uh, there are documented cases of that. The language, this unknown tongue, this, it's a language speaking to God. In 1 Corinthians 14, one through 6, the Bible says this, following after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men, to edification and exhortation and comfort. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. I would that ye all spake with tongues, but rather that but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret, that the church may receive the edifying. Now, brethren, if I come into you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you except I shall speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And so um, just stay with me here, if you will, for just a moment. I believe that this, when we are speaking about an unknown tongue, this is something that belongs exclusively to the church. This is a gift for the church and to the church. So tongues are a supernatural language, <clears throat> prayer language for those that have the Holy Ghost. Tongues are not just something that, uh, is, that is used, sadly, as loosely as it is many times in the realm of Christendom. And I'm painting with a very, very broad brush there. When we think about the initial evidence, and so we're talking about two different things, the initial evidence and we're talking about of the Holy Ghost, and we're also talking about an unknown tongue. As we are looking at that as under the heading of initial evidence, we need to look for the premise of this. And the Bible says that Jesus promised the Holy Ghost to his followers. So in John 14 and 16, the Bible says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So this is Jesus speaking, John recording that there's gonna be a comforter that will come, something that will stay with you. Jesus was just here for 33 and a half years, just a three-year minister earthly ministry and so he said but there is something that's coming that will be with you forever that comforter amen that spirit of truth he said the world the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him and that's why i mentioned a moment ago that we need the spirit of revelation to be in our heart and in our lives and we need to be open to that to the spirit of revelation and let the spirit of the lord know that we are Anxious and hungry, and I want the Lord to shine. I want to see Him and I want to know Him. And, and but He said, There, the Spirit of truth is here, but they can't receive it because they uh, but they because they they won't receive it because they can't see Him. But they said, But you know Him, for He dwelt with you, but He's going to be in you. Acts 1, the Bible says in verses 4 through 8, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. Of course, this was those that were in the upper room but wait on the promise of the father which saith he ye have heard of me for john truly baptized with water but ye shall be baptized with the holy ghost not many days hence or not many days from now when they therefore were come together they ask of him saying lord will thou at this time restore unto the kingdom restore again the kingdom to israel And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But verse 8, a verse we're very familiar with, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That, of course, was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it was a promise to all. Acts 2.39, the Bible says, For the promise is unto you and to your children, to all that are afar off. And as, as, as we have defined many times through the years, that as many as that are afar off or to all that are afar off is not necessarily speaking about geographics. Amen. But I believe there's generations that are coming, that this promise is for them. To all the generations that are afar off, as many, to all that are afar off, there are some that are still coming this way. There are men and women yet to be born that will be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because the promise wasn't just to a select group, but the promise was to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so what evidence then is there to assure this gift? There is The word of God is the greatest precedent that we could ever have. And many things are built on precedent. The New Testament believers spoke in tongues. And so why are you doing what you're doing? I'm doing what I'm doing because we're following what the New Testament believers did. And so the church, this church in particular was founded in 1940, but the church didn't start in 1940. The church didn't start in 1910 or 1912. But the church started on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God began to move. Amen. This was the only evidence that was ever displayed. And when someone received the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. Someone said it's kind of like the whistle on the teapot. (laughs) Amen. There's going to be evidence. There's going to be a sign. There are many things that also must follow this initial experience. Now, I've watched people in my lifetime, and many of you have Watch the same. I've watched people come in, into the church and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and I know they really got the Holy Ghost because I was there, <laughs> and they've never walked back in the church. And so that is not enough. It is not enough to receive the Holy Ghost. There are some things that must follow that experience. It's like being born and someone just leave you on the side of a curb. You won't exist there long, you will die. Because there are some things that must follow. There's some things that, that must be cultivated and things that must be nourished. And you you can't make a child grow, but you can create an environment where they can grow. And they will. They will grow. And so there are many things that should come. Things like the fruit of the Spirit or the attributes that we find that we call the beatitudes. There's a lot of things that must be displayed in our lives and be born. After the initial evidence of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I believe that, uh, that there are, uh, is an experience. Everybody that receives the Holy Ghost doesn't receive the Holy Ghost in church. I've met people that receive the Holy Ghost on their job. Uh, I know a man that received the Holy Ghost behind a barn. and, and I've talked about many times a man that got the Holy Ghost in the back of a how, uh, sheriff's car. And so uh, there's, a, there's a lot of places you can get the Holy Ghost but you've got to do something about that initial experience. You may receive the Holy Ghost behind the barn, but if you keep that experience behind the barn, it's never going to be a witness to anyone. And so, But as we begin to grow in God and mature in the Lord and um, uh, as, as we begin to allow the sanctification process to be at work in our lives, other people, even people that weren't behind the barn, are going to realize something happened in this individual's life, there's going to be evidence of that, not only initially, but there'll be evidence to follow. These are things that I think will manifest themselves as we mature in the Lord. They're not, they're not initial signs, but they go along with that in time. While I agree that we must be seekers of the Lord, uh, we must be very diligent that we seek the right thing. You now, I, I will just say this, and, and uh, maybe just in a, a, a glancing blow or as in passing, but when, if, if an individual is seeking for the Holy Ghost, I think we need to be very specific in our seeking. We need to be seeking for the infilling of the Holy Ghost and not seeking tongues. I've watched some people that I think were so caught up in trying to make sure they spoke in tongues until they were worried about uh, too much of their time and effort and energy was on that instead of just receiving the Holy Ghost. If you get the Holy Ghost... That will happen. Amen. Um, Preachers of old used to say it's like buying a pair of shoes. If you get the shoes, the tongues will come with them. (laughs) That's sort of a dated illustration, but nevertheless there's a a lot of shirt sleeve wisdom in that, isn't there? And so we need to seek the Holy Ghost. And so if we just seek the Holy Ghost, that will happen because that is God's design. God will not withhold that experience from you None whatsoever. It's available to everyone. We're talking about also the category of unknown tongues, and I'm kind of vacillating between the two. So, if you will, just try to stay up, uh, stay up with me if you can. These these apply to saints only, of course, to receive the Holy Ghost. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, um, many times people that are, are are sinners are seeking. They're seeking for that, and uh, but when we're talking about unknown tongues, that's not something that. Uh, is going to be found in the category of a sinner. Unknown tongues are for saints. And talking about people, I'm not talking about people without the Holy Ghost, but somebody with the Holy Ghost. The references in scripture are found in, in in the book of 2 Corinthians, and they are for the edification of the church. After the Holy Ghost, you have the fruit of the Spirit, and of course, the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are found in Galatians 5, and Galatians 5 lists them in verses 22 and 23. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. And so the gifts of the Spirit uh, are the fruit of the Spirit are found here in Galatians 5, but the gifts of the Spirit are found in the 14th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. And unknown tongues are mentioned some six times. However, for this gift to edify, there needs to be an interpreter. Amen. There needs to be an interpretation. And so in 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, the Bible says, for he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Verse four. Verse number 4, the Bible says, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Now if As I read the scriptures, if you just read along with me, you're going to assume that Paul is speaking against tongues. But in just a few moments, we're going to put all of this in context. We're going to put it in the box that it belongs in, okay? 1 Corinthians 14 and 13, Wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Verse 14, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse number 19, the Bible says, yet in the church I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Now, if you take out your pen knife and you just cut verse number 19 out of your Bible, then you can cut, go to the ends of the earth and say that Paul was teaching against speaking in an unknown tongue. But if you're going to do that, you're going to have to take a penknife, knife and you're going to have to cut that out of your Bible and remove it from the context of which it is spoken. Many people use this verse to suggest that Paul was totally speaking against the use of unknown tongues in the church but nothing could be further from the truth. There's, there is a bold truth and an accuracy, of course, to what Paul is stating here because in all reality, let's just keep this in the real world now, we do need more speaking in a language that we can all understand. We do need that to outweigh speaking in an unknown language. As a matter of fact, everything that has been said tonight up to this point has been spoken in a language that everyone could understand. But what would have happened up to this point if uh, for the last 51 minutes that we've been in service we had just been talking in a language that no one here could understand? By this moment, you would probably be somewhat disconcerted. And so what would we get out of a service if everything was in a language that we did not understand, we'd get nothing, absolutely nothing out of that outside of this, what the Spirit would give us, but I'm just talking about it in a very natural sense. And then Paul, when, in talking about this unknown tongue, gives some very specific guidelines for this. So then in verse number 26, the Bible says this, chapter 14 of Steel. the Bible says, How is it then, brethren? When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by two, or at the most by three, and that by course, and let one interpret. We need to notice that there is an order to this. And, and I, I get it. I'm not being cynical at all. I get it when maybe someone that's visiting a, 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 an apostolic service for the first time, and, and that may seem chaotic, and it may seem confusing. But so is an auction if you don't know what's going on. But that makes it nonetheless relevant. I've shared this story many times. My wife and I, and my son, used to spend a lot of time at auctions. It was just kind of a, a hobby. And I know that's just that. That sounds pitiful, doesn't it? If you've got nothing else to do. <laughs> if you've got nothing better to do than go to a goat auction, you're probably need serious need of a hobby. But uh, they were they would the particular sales we would go to were goats and pigs, and and uh, I just got enamored by the whole process of that. And and I remember one, uh, one time that uh, we were there and a gentleman right in front of us, he had bought an entire semi-trailer load of hogs and we didn't even know it. <laughs> so there's a real art to that. So it seems it seems real confusing, but but he and the auctioneer knew what they were doing and he took a whole semi-load of hogs home and we thought he just sat there and ate popcorn the whole time. <laughs> so there was really something going on. And so there is really something going on when when we have a service akin to what we had last Wednesday night. There's something really going on in the spirit world and, and we need to understand that. And so that we need to notice that the scripture says that this comes in courses. Amen. He said, if any man speaking unto, let it be by two or at the most by three, and that by course. That means allotment or by turn or by share. Three courses are the scriptural limit. Amen. If we have somebody gives a message in tongues and there's no interpretation, somebody else gives a message in tongues and there's no interpretation, somebody else gives a message in tongues and there's no interpretation, at that point it's time to move on. Amen? And so there's certainly, and and then the Bible says, and let him, and let there be one interpreter, let one interpret. What would happen if somebody gave a message in tongues and somebody interpreted it? Somebody else gave a message in tongues and said, no, what I meant to say was this. God doesn't work that way. God doesn't work that way at all. God would work, now man works that way. And and (laughs) like I said, if it hasn't happened in the church, just hang around. But we can't run the risk of just letting all of this go as I often say, some people have gotten so afraid of wildfire that they put out all the fire. And so you can't run the risk of letting something as valuable as this gift to the church go because someone may abuse it or someone may uh, misuse it. And so, um, you know, three courses, the Scripture gives us that as a, as a limit. I, I, I'm just going to give you my opinion right here, and you, don't, you do not have to agree with me at all. I'm not so sure... That the that the number three is the key? Like when Peter asked, Should we forgive seven times? And he said seventy times seven. I don't think seven times, nor do I think four hundred and ninety was the key. I think there was a principle. If a man can ask you to go with him one mile, he said, Go with him twain. I don't think he was I don't think the key is in the number two. I think there's a principle that's there. Is that fair enough? And so I think that, uh, so you, well, I'm saying all that so that people don't start counting. Because that, that's, that's just as sure what will happen and not. Somebody will start notching, putting notches on their belt. There's one. There's two. I think people with the Holy Ghost are gonna be able to figure out what's real and what's not real. We need to have the spirit of discernment. Amen. And let me just say this, I don't know where I wanted to insert this, so I'll just say it now. The devil can speak in tongues too. Amen. I've heard it, I've experienced it in church, and so the devil can try to mimic just like the magicians mimic amen in the Old testament, and so we have to have enough we have to have enough discernment, Thank you, I was going to say gumption. <laughs> we need to have enough. We need a spiritual gumption. We need to have enough discernment to know if the enemy is trying to frustrate the word of God and the will of God. Does that make sense? I really feel the Holy Ghost in this. I truly do. That we need to have enough discernment. If, if three is the key, then I wouldn't want the devil to show up and speak twice and so, say, well, we got one more shot to get this right. And I'm, I'm spending way more time on that than I should have. But I just want to make that point that th- another point, and that is this, that, that everything else beyond, beyond some point is just going to be flesh. And so we got to make sure that our flesh is under control and our flesh is, uh, if there is no interpreter, the Bible, the Bible says this, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. And so if there's not an interpretation, you shouldn't feel like, well, I just blew it, or I didn't hear from God. There may not be an interpretation. That's right. Or maybe we're all just human. That Maybe somebody's there that felt the interpretation but was struggling with that, them, their own self, that own gift, I've been there. And so that's why I'm inserting that. I've been there. And so you, you, you don't know what to do. And, and I believe this, that that, window is open for just a short season and then it's going to close now I think that I'm going to use myself here because this is really the truth I think there have been times that I have felt an interpretation and just in my flesh just missed it because you know if you give the devil any room at all he'll start putting questions in your mind and then that door of opportunity closed that moment lifted now do I think that The church is going to sink because of that? No. God is in control and he realizes that we are, we have a treasure but we have it in an earthen vessel and that we are human and we are subject to human error. Amen. I may be painting with way too broad a brush for some here tonight. I don't know. But I'm just going to speak my heart. If there is no interpreter, then the Bible teaches us that we ought to just speak softly and not interrupt the service. It doesn't mean that if there's not an interpretation that you need to march out the side door and, and feel ashamed of that. Just continue to to pray and worship the Lord. Remember, people are flesh and blood, and we are subject to error. So don't throw the baby out with the wash water, as I mentioned a moment ago. We are all subject to error. And so if you do anything long enough, I've said this, if you drive for a living, you're eventually gonna have a wreck. I mean the odds are just against you. And so I speak for a living. And so the odds are against me every now and then to get my foot in my mouth. And you have been present when several of those occasions. <laughs> but that has not ever caused me to want to just mail my license in. I've never wanted to go home and put my Bible on eBay. I mean, it's you're just going you're just gonna say things. I said Something a few weeks ago, thankfully, I can't remember what it was now, but uh, I said something that could have been really taken out of context, a little bit gray. I'm thankful that I didn't get it. <laughs> Amen. Some people were snickering and carrying on, I heard, later, and um, because it sounded a little vulgar or whatever, but to the pure, all things are pure. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, I just decapitated several and you're not even going to know it till you go to turn your head. <laughs> Boy, that if that if that didn't sound self-righteous, you'll never see self-righteousness in your life. I promise you. That, that's right. That's, we all, all just stand to give a praise me moment right there. But I'm so thankful that I didn't. I was thankful that I didn't get it. I do remember... Many years ago in 1992, I was preaching the Louisiana camp meeting on the last night. The building was packed wall to wall, and I made the mistake of a lifetime. I just humiliated myself and my poor wife, bless her heart. Um, she could have just melted down and dripped out under the door, I'm sure. And before I could get back there to the sound booth to try to get them to not sell that, the line had already formed, in a, I think, for all the wrong reasons. But uh, if you do it long enough, you're going to err and so we're all subject to error and so if something goes wrong don't worry about it either we, either I will take care of it as the pastor of this church or if you're somewhere else the shepherd will take care of that or God will take care of it and so we'll just move right on it's, I've seen a lot of crazy things happen you think oh man this is just it you know what we just come back Sunday and just keep sailing we, re- <laughs> we re- realize that poor old God is just having to work through us and so the gift, the gift is just in the hands of flesh and we are subject to error. And, and I've heard some people say, I was just afraid that I would be in the flesh. Well, let me help you. You will be. Because God's not going to just give you a supernatural body for 30 seconds and then take it away. You're going to be in the flesh. It will be your voice. It will be your vernacular. For the most part, I don't think God says y'all, but I, I think for the most part it will be in Arvid. and Brother Kevin, I don't even think he says Ewan's, but I just think that it will be for the most part God is going to use us. Is this all right? I know this is a serious subject, We probably shouldn't be laughing, but I'm just trying to bring it down to the middle shelf where we can all get our hand on it. We will be in the flesh, God will use us, and we don't have to feel like we need to put on some stained glass voice in order to speak. Just let the Lord use us as he will. Now, um, I'm, I'm watching the time. I really am. And uh, we may need three Wednesday nights. Sir. <laughs> Sarah knows how many pages I normally have. And uh, she knows how many I have tonight. And she is very, very nervous. I can tell you that. The gift that we're talking about will never supersede the ministry of the word. Now, let me pause here and, and try to explain this just, just in, in 30 seconds or less. We should never get addicted to a word from God because there are people right now, this very moment, I'm probably going to exceed the 30-second mark here, but there are people that right this moment are running all over the country looking for a word from God, a word from God. Well, let me tell you what you're getting tonight right now, a word from God. And so this should never supersede the ministry of the Word. Amen. And so you, you don't need to try to chase every little tent meeting down, every little revival down to get a word. We need the Word of God. The Bible says in Ephesians 4:11 and 12, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Those are gifts called of uh, uh, the fivefold ministry we refer to that as uh, for the edifying, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so God has given a gift to the church to perfect the saints and to edify the work of the ministry, or to edify the body of Christ and for the work of the ministry. And so gifts are for edifying. Gifts. The fivefold ministry is for perfecting. Now I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. The fivefold ministry is for perfecting but gifts are for edifying. The Bible says that he that prophesieth, 14 and three, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 14, three, he that prophesies speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. Gifts of the Spirit are not given to saints to get the church in order or to conduct some little agenda or to judge people. And I have watched all of that happen before where somebody gave a message in tongues that was probably sincere and somebody else saw that as an opportunity to fix Sister Sally or Brother John or the pastor or to take care of some problem they they thought in the church and so they intercepted something. Now I'm going to tell you, in my own opinion, that's probably the most dangerous thing you could ever do. Do not play. Do not play with this gift. I, I just, I don't know where to, I didn't know where to insert this, so I didn't, I just felt like the Lord would prompt me and I feel that now. When when we are talking about interpreting, because it is, I believe, I believe the primary goal of of, of interpretation or, or a message in tongues and interpretation is for edifying I will also say that often an interpretation can be directional, okay, or instructional. And not instructional in the sense that somebody's trying to fix a problem, as I addressed a moment ago, but somebody may be edifying the body in such a way that you are unaware of what you're saying. Or you're unaware of a situation that may be being addressed. But here is where I want to be as sober as a judge. And I want everybody to look at me and listen to me. That because the gift of interpretation can be somewhat directional at times or informational at times. You need to be very, very careful of what you're saying. And make sure that it is of God. Because I have been, and I'm just speaking for me because I've got the mic, but I have been that fellow in the service that prayed and fasted and said, God, I need a word from you tonight. Amen. I need some, I need some direction on something. And so I want to be fully and eminently aware That if a message in tongues come forth and I give an interpretation and there is some instruction or direction given in that interpretation that I am not misdirecting someone. Amen. Because someone may be desperate enough and not have enough discernment to just take that and run. And it may be to their demise. Now, I I realize that the the person that is receiving that message needs to have some kind of confirmation of that. Does that make sense? But because what we're talking about could be life and death (laughs) spiritually, this doesn't need to be something we're cavalier about. And I don't think it's something that ought to happen every service. Amen. God doesn't need to do that in every fashion because we have this. But John said if all were written that could be written, the world would not contain the book. And so how does God not add to his word, but how does God go beyond that? He goes beyond it by the gift of, of tongues and interpretation that God can speak to the church through that or through prophecy and, and other gifts as well. But the Bible says, is, are we clear on that? Because I, it, we ought to be very serious and very, very, very sober about that. And I, I've I've told this story many times, and if you've heard it a hundred times, please bear with me, but when I was just a little boy, I've, I've always had a spiritual bent, and, and this is not another oh praise me moment, but uh, I've, I've got, had, had a lot of hangups as a kid, still got a lot of hangups, but I, I always did have a spiritual bent, and uh, was always hungry and earnest and eager to be used of God in some capacity, and, and so I got really, really enamored one time with interpretation. And uh, I couldn't have been more than oh I don't know maybe ten or twelve I'm I'm not sure somewhere along in there, but uh, I just thought well in my own childlike mind that the next time somebody gives a message in tongues I'll just interpret. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> after all practice makes perfect and so I just thought well, and so I um I happened to be. <laughs> We were in the, old white, in the old white building that's no longer there now, but we were in the old white building and, and uh, somebody gave a message in tongues and so I just said, Thus saith the Lord. And that's all I got out because my mother, <laughs> my mother didn't interpret the message, but she did intercept the interpreter. Oh, yes, she did. My mother grabbed me by the ear. I'm assuming that's the only thing she could get. I don't know about that. But she pulled me outside and whipped the fire <laughs> out of me. And I said for years after that, every time somebody spoke in tongues, I got an earache. <laughs> so, <laughs> what my mother was trying to say in her not-so-subtle fashion was you don't play with this. We'll play after church. But she taught me a wonderful lesson. <laughs> and I still get a little squirrely now, now and then myself. I'm 52 years old. That's been 40 years ago almost. <laughs> you have to love me. You have to. The Bible says you have to. And if our musicians will come, I'm going to try to just put a period in here somewhere and we'll just come back to this I bet you didn't know we was going to have this much fun when we started didn't you here, here's a good here's a good closing First Corinthians 14 and 12 the Bible says even so ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts Seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Note, he said if if you're going to be zealous and if you're going to be a seeker, seek for something to edify the church. You know, the Bible certainly there are times that, that, that pastorally there are times for correction times for instruction there are times for rebuke but that's not every time you come to church that's not even every other time you come to church I think the largest part of the ministry should be to edify the church say something positive if you're going to sing seeing something that's uplifting. Amen. I I I'm not I'm not trying to be vulgar here but I'm going to be honest with you that you've already been through enough hell today. You don't need to come here and catch more. I know that's pretty blunt and a little bit more blunt than I normally am in the pulpit but there needs to be something that edifies us and strengthens us and 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 I'm going to tell you something that even when Instruction and correction and even rebuke is done in the right spirit. Children have enough sense to know that even when a parent corrects them, the tears haven't even stopped flowing before they're reaching back for the very hands that corrected them to caress them. Why? It wasn't something they enjoyed, but they understood somewhere even in their childlike minds that this was for my good. And so there may be days that we drive away from church and we're wiping the tears out of our eyes. But I want you to know that it's done in the spirit because of, of correction in the right spirit, and the right motive at least. And so I pray that the, the scripture would help us that if we're going to be seekers of gifts that we would seek that we may excel in something that would edify the church. Let me tell you, there is enough... I'll I'll close this. That'll make everybody feel better. There's enough going on to tear the church down and to be And Yes, sir. At any moment, in any church, anywhere, there's enough little rumblings going along. That's the wave you want to tune into. If you just keep dialing and tuning, you'll pick it up. You know why? Because the church is made up of people. And they're just imperfect vessels. And we've all been pushed into this building and we've all been pushed into this one family. And to think that we're all going to pull this off and never have a disagreement is just Disney World. It's never going to happen. But that's not what I come to focus on. I want to lift up. When we're talking about the church at large we're to talk about it as positively as we can when we're talking about this church in particular I mean why would you want to call this your church and then tear it up why would you want to call me your pastor and then tear me down I'm being honest why (laughs) I've had to Not a secret to many of you, but I've had to have some orthodontic work done the last several months. And so, you know, the orthodontist, every time I'm there, their primary um, patients are children or young people. And uh, so, you know, of course, sometimes adults are in there like me and, and for different reasons. I'm not having a midlife crisis. I really had some problems. And so, because they are so accustomed to just kind of talking to teenagers and children, and so when and there's a lot of things that you got to do and you got to be careful, and so they'll not in a condescending fashion, but just out of habit, they'll say, "Now, remember, you you know, you you got to do this, you got to do that." And I say, "You re, you need to remember, I'm paying for this. <laughs> You're used to talking to people who are not paying the bill." <laughs> I'm paying for. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. If you tell me to do it 17 times a day, that's how many times a day I'm going to do it because I only want to do this one time and I am paying the bill. <laughs> we want this to be right. I don't want to tear this up. It belongs to me. Amen. Would you say that with me? I don't want to tear this up. It belongs to me. It belongs to me. And when you have invested in it, when you have shouldered the load, then it belongs to us. I don't want to tear this up. If I tear it up, I'm going to be the one to have to fix it. Amen. And so when we're talking about the church, oh, we ought to be as positive as we can. Find all the things that are right, not all the things that are wrong. Find all the things that are bright and not all the things that are gray. And let the spirit of the Lord touch us. Amen. Let's stand together. You've kept such a good spirit.
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way. And we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic